Frank Ling. And I'm Charles Lee. And you're listening to the Grok Science Show. That's right. It's a weekly look at the world of science, technology, and their effects on our daily lives. Coming up on today's program, Daniel Lieberman will join us to discuss the molecule of more. So stay tuned for all of this. Plus the Grokatron 5000. And our world-famous question of the week. Coming right up. Here. On the Grok's Science Show. Science Show. Well, can it be that a single molecule controls most of your behavior? Well, joining us today to discuss this issue is Professor Daniel Lieberman. Professor Lieberman is Professor and Vice Chair for Clinical Affairs in the Department of Psychiatry and Behavioral Sciences at George Washington University. He is a distinguished fellow of the American Psychiatric Association and a recipient of the Karen Foundation Research Award. He has written the new book along with co-author Michael Long, The Molecule of More, How a Single Chemical in Your Brain Drives Love, sex, and creativity, and will determine the fate of the human race. Dr. Lieberman, we're very pleased to have you today on the Grox Science Show. Thanks for having me. It is certainly our pleasure, certainly a fascinating book you've written here about the molecule of more. So what is the molecule of more, and uh, why did you decide to write the book? The molecule of more is dopamine. It is a chemical in the brain that's responsible for all kinds of different behaviors, and it was the variety of behaviors that it controls that really attracted me to it. When I was trained to be a psychiatrist at New York University, I learned about a number of different psychiatric diseases that seemed to be associated with problems with dopamine functioning. And these include things like schizophrenia, attention deficit disorder, drug addiction. And what struck me was that on the surface, they really didn't seem to have very much in common. I I couldn't understand how could all of these things be the result of one single neurotransmitter, dopamine. I started doing some digging, learning more about what are the essential features of this chemical, and what I came up with was so interesting, I felt like I had to share it with the world. It is really fascinating. Your book goes through everything one can think of in terms of probably the more colorful aspects of our lives, everything from love, drugs, all the way to politics. Does it really have that broad an influence? It really does. And here's why. Your brain divides up the world into two, um, two rough sections. That is, what's going on right now in the present moment around you and pretty much everything else. That is what's going to happen in the future, what's going on someplace else far off in the distance. And it does that because if you think back to evolutionary times and man's need to survive in settings of um, scarce resources, there's quite a difference between resources that one has and controls and resources that one needs but does not have. And so this division between the here and now and the future or the possible that we don't have really became essential for early man to successfully navigate his environment. And the here and now is controlled by a host of brain chemicals that we can go into if we have time. But the future, the possible, the abstract, what we need, what we desire, 
all of these things are really orchestrated by that one single chemistry, uh, chemical, and that's dopamine. And that's why it plays a role in such a wide variety of human behaviors. Is it the case then that dopamine is not as prevalent in other species or is it just more prevalent in, in humans and has a greater influence in humans? That's right. Yeah, humans have more dopamine circuits than any other animal. And that's why we are so good at working with ideas that don't have a concrete reality. Um, we, we don't need to have uh, a stick in front of us to think about what a stick might be good for. And it's dopamine that gives us these abilities to think abstractly, to plan far into the future, to carry out multi-step plans, a lot more than other animals. Although, of course, in the animal kingdom, there are some animals that have more, some animals that have less. And um, it's surprising, the animals that have the most. Um, they're actually ravens, um, ravens, crows, and we don't think of them as being particularly brilliant. But in fact, if you look at some of the experiments that's been done with them, they are amazing problem solvers, just like humans are. How going about our daily lives does dopamine all of a sudden kick in? A lot of people are familiar with dopamine in terms of its role as the pleasure molecule or the reward molecule. We get a hit of dopamine when we eat, when we're hungry, when we win a competition, when we get some good news. But really, that, that's just a minor role that it plays. The bigger role that it plays is the role of desire and anticipation. We named the book The Molecule of More because dopamine is really about never being satisfied. It's what gives us the drive, the motivation to make our world better. So I think it's helpful to have an idea of what's going on in your brain as you go through your daily life. And you can sense the dopamine at work when you are planning on what you're going to do next, when you are thinking about things that you want, when you're working with abstract concepts. And I think that for modern industrialized society people, that's most of the time. So much in fact that we constantly have to remind ourselves, hey, come down to the present, um, look around, experiencing what's happening now and stop thinking about what's next. So one of the things the book is about is kind of opening people's eyes to how dopamine does control their life, the advantages of it, but also the disadvantages and why it's necessary to sometimes come out of those circuits into the present moment. Is it the case that perhaps modern life with the many distractions, many ways of sort of hitting our dopamine circuitry is overloading circuits which weren't built for this kind of environment? Absolutely. And these circuits are so powerful at affecting our behavior that they're being directly targeted by companies, um, specifically the uh, Silicon Valley companies. They know how to build products that trigger dopamine. And in fact, they have dopamine experts on their payroll who work on this, um, this very problem. Just to give you an example, um, a recent development is the infinite scroll. It, it used to be when you were going through a web page or something on your cell phone, you'd scroll for a little while and eventually come to the end, and then it would be time to stop. Now, however, as you scroll, new posts, new stories keep getting added, and your dopamine system keeps saying, maybe there's something waiting there that's going to be important to me. Maybe there's something waiting there that's going to give me more of gratification or something else that I need. 
And there's a lot of things that are now being baked into apps and other technologies that are really designed to manipulate these circuits and make it very difficult for us to have control over our own behavior. As you put it, sort of the molecule of desires constantly driving you to want and want and want more. It's true. Dopamine can only process things in the future. Once the future becomes the present, um, once you get those great pair of sneakers, dopamine shuts down because it can't process something that you can have that you have. It only processes what you want. And we're all familiar with that sense of letdown. You anticipate something for days, maybe even weeks. And then as soon as you get it, bang, all of the excitement and enthusiasm is gone. And, and there's even a proverb that encapsulates that, that um, you may have heard. It's to travel hopefully is better than arriving. When you're traveling hopefully, you have dopamine. But when you arrive at the place you've worked so hard to get to, dopamine shuts down. And the only way you're going to be able to enjoy the things that you work for is if you're able to activate those other here and now chemicals. Getting there is really more than half the fun, huh? I, I, I'm afraid that's true. I'm not sure it should be that way, but I think that for many of us it is that way. Is there a downside to having too much dopamine or not enough? Yeah, there's a downside to both. People who have very active dopamine circuits tend to be very motivated. They tend to be creative because dopamine is about what you don't have, what you don't exist. And so our dopamine circuits give us creativity. They give us new ideas. So brilliant scientists, musicians, artists, actors, writers, they all have lots and lots of dopamine. And that's great. Uh, they do wonderful things for society. Um, they often get rich and famous. The downside is, though, that they're usually not happy. Um, it's almost a cliche. Um, the brilliant, successful, wealthy entrepreneur um, is working 70 hours a week because he just can't be satisfied. And that, unfortunately, is what goes along with a very active dopamine system. Now, on the flip side, um, you know, on the one hand, we've got the rich entrepreneur with the beach house, but he can't enjoy it because he can't relax. On the other side, we've got what might be called the pot-smoking basement dweller. He may be very content with his life. Everything's going along just fine from his perspective, but he never really accomplishes anything or moves forward with his life. So ideally, what you want is a balance so that you can achieve things, you can bring meaning to your life, but you can also be happy and enjoy those things you work for. You could be like Alexander and weep for you have no more worlds to conquer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That guy was probably pretty high dopamine. Well, how do we go about then dealing or becoming more aware of our inner drives caused by dopamine? Should we be a little more mindful of our behavior or how do we approach it? I, I think so. When we want to be in a dopaminergic state, uh, because we've got some tasks to accomplish, we can, we can work on that, rev up the dopamine system, and that's typically via desire. If you're working on something and it's going slow, it's awfully hard, it can be helpful to put yourself in an imaginative state where you imagine what it's going to be like if you are able to accomplish this task, finish up the project, and that will help motivate you and make it easier to get work done. But I think the bigger challenge is the opposite, to bring yourself into the present moment, to take a moment and smell the flowers. We don't do enough of that, and 
I think it's because that we tend to be so goal oriented that there doesn't seem to be any point in just being happy. But there is. I mean, happiness is good in and of itself, but if you are stuck in a completely goal-oriented paradigm, you can say that by giving your dopamine system a rest, you, that's how you recharge your batteries. And that's often why people feel so recharged after coming back from a vacation, because they separate themselves from work. They separate themselves from all the things they feel like they need to worry about, and they're able just to live in the present moment for a little while. It is, a, I think, a very useful message, especially for these hectic times. Uh, we are running slightly off time. I'm just curious if you have some final words regarding the molecule of more. Um, I would just say that uh, people are going to be surprised by how many domains uh, dopamine plays a role in, and it really helps you understand things from a brand new perspective that uh, I think they'll find exciting. We were just talking with Professor Daniel Lieberman, who, along with Michael Long, has written the new book, The Molecule of More, How a Single Chemical in Your Brain Drives Love, Sex, and Creativity, and Will Teach the Fate of the Human Race. And Dr. Lieberman, very pleased to have you today on the Grok Science Show. Thank you for having me. And that's all for this week's edition of the Grok Science Show. Make sure you tune in next week for more from the world of science and technology. If you'd like to contact us here, you can email us at science at groks.net. For Grok Science, I'm Frank Ling. And I'm Charles Lee. Make sure you also see us on the web at www.grox.net. Have a great afternoon and keep on grokking.